11. Then we shall go into the book of Jeremiah, chapter 27. And I will begin reading at verse 17. Verse 11, Psalm 94. The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are man. Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law. Thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for the wicked. For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. But judgment shall return unto the righteous. And all the upright in heart shall follow him. Who will rise up for me against the evildoer? Or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. When I said, my foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by law? They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous. And condemn the innocent blood. But the Lord is my defense. My God is the rock of my refuge. And he shall bring upon them their own iniquity. And shall cut off them off in their own wickedness. Yea, the Lord our God shall cut them off. I'd like to repeat the 17th verse. Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. Jeremiah chapter 37. I'd like to begin at the 16th verse. Notice the reading of the word of the Lord. When Jeremiah was entered into the dungeon, into the cabin, and Jeremiah remained there many days. Then Zedekiah the king sent and took him out. And the king asked him secretly in his house and said, Is there any word from the Lord. And Jeremiah said, There he is. For, said he, Thou shalt be delivered into the hand of the king 
of Babylon. What I wanted you to notice is the words of a king talking to a man that had been shut in a dark dungeon alone. And they asked him secretly a question. Is there any word from the Lord? And with that and the statement of David, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. I want to talk to you for a little while about the world of silence. The world of silence. Shall we pray? Our righteous God. Our glorious God. Our wonderful God. Our matchless Savior. Our King. We love you. Let your word be a blessing to us today. Let us feel the anointing spirit of the Lord as we speak to your church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. I have often wondered about the silent world. We have a class in our church for the deaf that cannot hear. Now watch the expression on a face that lives in a silent world. They do not hear the beauty of the notes of the instrument. Regardless how beautiful a song is sang, and we've heard some beautiful singing today. All they know is what is transmitted through a silent language, a language by the hand. And I wondered what it would be like to be in that world. Never to hear a baby cry. Never to hear the song of a bird in the springtime. Never to hear the words of my children saying, Dad, I love you. I could step to the phone, call my home, and I could hear the voice of a little woman that's been my wife and the mother of my children. And just to hear that voice on the other end of that line has an effect on me. But the silent world never hears that. Never. 
only in, not only seen, but beauty is heard. I never have uh, tried it. Hope I don't have to. But they tell me that if you can't smell, you couldn't taste. I don't think that things would be nearly so beautiful if I couldn't do even though I see. I watched a mother one night after church, blind, couldn't see, and had three little children. And as so many Pentecostals do, kids go to sleep on the front seat. And there happened to be several little fellows up close to the front that their little heads were slumped over on the front seat. They were asleep. But I watched this blind mother walk up. And as she walked to where that front seat was and she felt her way, she took her hand. Felt that one little forehead pass to the next one. In a moment, she firmly took that one by the shirt. Wake up. Wake up. She was seeing. I can understand how that the feel of my hand can reveal things to me that I couldn't see. But in the silent world, feeling does not put into you the beauty of that song. That I hear a lot of people say that they saw a person that couldn't hear healed, that had never heard before. Now, I don't want to transgress you. And I don't want to uh, disturb you. But I'm going to tell you what I think. And if you don't like it, throw it out the window. you are in a healing service and a deaf mute is healed instantly, you won't have to snap your fingers in his ear to see if he can hear. Neither will you have to take a watch and put it up to his ear. Not if he has never heard before and he's in a Pentecostal service. I've only seen it happen one time in my life and it was in a youth camp in the district of Arkansas and it happened to a little girl 13 years old 
and she could not hear. Only thing she could do was talk with her hands. One night when the service was over and the altar was full and here was the orchestra playing and there was the music going. Somebody at the microphone singing. I felt a girl tug on my coat and I turned and there was about a 16-year-old. She said, Brother Foss, this is my sister, 13. Nothing that I've done because she revealed to me why that it was God's time. She said, I fasted and prayed three days before this youth camp started. God would give her her hearing. And I feel like that this is God's now I'm talking to you about the words of a child talking to me. That little girl was unmoved. Just she could see everything, but nothing was getting through that world of silence to her. And I turned to the superintendent, which at that time was Brother Cannon. I said, Brother Cannon, this girl needs prayer. I didn't even elaborate as to what was wrong with her. You know, we hurriedly sometimes pray over those things. And uh, you can call it what you will, but probably it's the lack of faith. No virtue in the all. Obedience. I'm going to preach to you in a little bit, but I want to talk to you a little bit. See, you're not going to eat until 4 o'clock. You better hope you get to eat then. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we anointed her with all and just a little simple, short prayer. But that teenager, 16 years old, was standing there. Tears running down her face. I turned my back on her. Prayed for that what they asked. Brother Cannon started talking to somebody else. That 16-year-old that had paid the price, that had the burden, that was in touch with another silent world, stood there waiting. And all of a sudden, I heard a noise. And I saw the little 13-year-old girl start to run, and her sister grabbed her. And she put her hands to her ears. And she was wild in her eyes because she had suddenly come out of a silent world. God 
had unstopped those ears. She did not understand what was happening. But the next night she walked up to me and said, Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! And she was becoming oriented to a world of sound and had come out of a world of silence. Oh, that God would let us know that He is not always in the noise and in the things that are around us, but God dwells in a world of silence many times. See, we got a... Maybe I shouldn't phrase it that way. There have been things that have moved across the Pentecostal church. Almost made you feel that if you didn't run the aisles, or if you didn't jump the benches, or if you didn't have an aisle, here again, I don't want to transgress you, but if you didn't have rock and roll music in the church, the things were dead. That's good. Hear me. That's good. Hear me. And I've seen that move across the fellowship that I love with my heart, that I love with my soul. But God is not always manifested in His death and fullness. In the sound of the noise. But at times we must move over into the silent world. And he begins to speak to us in a voice that nobody else hears. Hallelujah. 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 out of the Reader's Digest recently, I was called to uh, Veterans Hospital. We are working on the library in our church. They were building a new one, and so they were disposing all of their books, and we went out and bought all $100 worth of books from them, and they found out it was from a church, and they called me about a week later and said, Reverend said, uh, uh, you you need any more books? I said, well, yes, I need some more books. They said, well, we have, they're going to move this building or tear it down and we've got to dispose of these books immediately. And uh, if you want them, there's about 800 here. And we'll let you have them for $100. I said, okay, I'll be out to get the money. But to my horror, and beyond the wildest imagination, I got there, and they brought out 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 books, and said, if you take one, you take them all. So I've got books for the young. You need some books? 
every nook and cranny in our church, every vacant room was stacked to the brim with books. And I got to going through them, and there's a lot of the Reader's Digest condensed books. And I was able to put together a set from the first condensed book all the way to the current condensed book. And, uh, you know, I, I was proud of it, so I get to prowling around and all that stuff sometimes. And I got to reading about sound and noise and silence. And they tell me that there is an audible spectrum. And science has built a criteria by which they can measure this sound. It resembles a keyboard. And through this particular instrument, they can determine what you can hear and what you can see by vibrations. I thought I was hard here, and I still believe I am. Because I hate to look at somebody and say, pardon? That's your pardon, what you say? Stewardess walked up on a flight not long ago and she was asking me that I want anything from the bar and I didn't hear what she said. I said, uh, yes ma'am, that'll be fine. <laughs> you know, I was just trying to second guess her, but that's what she was saying to me and I wasn't hearing her. So I went to a, uh, a ear, eye, and nose specialist in Houston, and he put me in a little room and began turning on all of these sounds. And when I could hear, I punched a button. And when I could understand, I was punching buttons. And I was just a guard. And in a little while, he said, you're not hard to hear. I said, well, there's something wrong. But they tell me that the vibrations that I can hear run from a grade of 16 to 20,000 vibrations per second. And they also said that a piano goes up to a point just below what is audible to me and distinguishable. And the lowest note is close to the end of what I cannot hear. And what cannot be uh, distinguished in my hearing. Well, that sounded interesting. I thought, well, 16 vibrations, up to 20,000 vibrations a second. I'm a pretty intelligent creature. They tell me that I can understand anything in between that. But over the 20,000 is silence. And then a man that feels in sound, an acoustician came and said, they're grading it down to a grade five in a room a perfect room that you would not be able to hear any sound 
And when you walk in, your own heart will sound like the sound of a bass drum. It just thump, thump, thump. He was talking about a world of silence. Really? In a silent field. So when we start to think about complete silence, does God really dwell in silence? Does He do anything that's quiet? Does He act in any measure that's not uh, right across the heavens? Oh God, help this church to understand that you do not need a banner out over your door and say divine healing nightly. Hallelujah. God doesn't always dwell in the flamboyance and the glamour that men are trying to feed our heart and our soul on today. Hallelujah. 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 If we could understand that great things happen in those quiet moments with God, as well as those moments when the joy is flowing like a river, and men say to the Spirit, Honey, we've got a church that will run wild on you. But there comes a time that you need to settle down and shut your mouth and get your thoughts together and get still enough and quiet enough and wait long enough that God can talk to your heart. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, but Brother Post, if it's not in a moment, if it's not in a moment when everything is at a pitch of ecstasy and we have reached that point, honey, I'm talking about a message that you don't have to work up. You don't have to feel to it. It's there. He was there all the time. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. What happens in silence? This article in Reader's Digest opened my understanding to so much. Said that you ever go out in the late spring and look on the blade of a grass, the blade of grass, and see the droplet of dew. Is there? Put it under a microscope, and it shows you every color and every hue of a rainbow. And beauty that challenges the talent of the artist's brush. One drop of dew, but it was there with no noise in a world of silence. Hallelujah. You know, our coast has escaped these uh, hurricanes. We had one come in just 
about 150 miles east of us this morning. I was worried about it. Eight-foot tides ahead of it hit the Louisiana coast today. Last week, we had Anita. She went in down in Mexico with 155-mile winds. And they're bad, and they're, they're extremely bad. And had this one come in to our city, I probably wouldn't have been here today because I needed to be there to see about some things in that church and what's going on and the people that would probably need help with uh, the things that go with a hurricane. But there's some other things that go with it. Everything is not in the flash of lightning. And it's not in the roll of thunder. And it's not in the howl of the shaking wind that blows through the storm shutter. When that storm was just a hundred miles off of our coast, our sky was still blue and the sun was still shining. Out of the southwest rose the clouds up of the offspring of that huge whirling storm. That evening my wife and I was driving and we looked church that is a pagan contractor. I was talking to him about a driveway in our new home. He said, Brother Frost, he said, uh, I had poison 
the ground where you're going to put this driveway up to Milton. Uh, why would I point? Because you know that glass that's below that. You never know what's there until something gets through. And it's part of the weight. Many times it's weight. It comes through that black asphalt jungle and sticks its fingers toward heaven. What am I telling you, sir? They tell me that beneath the slab, the concrete slab in our country, that you must poison the roots of those trees because there is enough town in that silent growth to break the thickest slab that you could pull on it. They say there's enough power in the expansion of a grain of wheat to burst the block of land. If you can get the fertilization to it to make it swell and make it break, I'm telling you, sir, there is power in the world of silence. I wonder, have we missed God? Because we look for Him in the wrong place. We search for Him in the wrong place. You see, God has never talked to the audience. The only thing that I've ever heard from God has been that spirit of depression that talks to my heart when I am silent enough. This is where it's all happening. This is where the glory is. This is where the power is. Problems arise in my church and they do it. Don't let anybody fool you. There's no church for them. No, no, not even this one. Take it to the Lord. I'm comfortable. I'm Amen. Amen. Everybody say amen. Really not perfect right now because I'm not perfect. I'm here. So here you are. The impact of the death of the Lord. I will handle that seat immediately. Honey, if you get off and wait. Listen, God will talk to you and give you answers that you did not know exist. All that God would speak to we, the ministry of this church today, and allow to get to a place that we can call out our feelings and the what we think and listen to the voice of God. Listen. Oh, that God would put us in a world down below grave spots where we can hear the truth of our own The most elusive thing, I know that I'm preaching probably a different style than you expect. 
But the most elusive thing that I have found in my walk with God has been God not only doing it in but when we get the divine will of God, that's what we want to do without a doubt. We have an element uh, around today that you affirm God showed me this and God showed me that. They use it so recklessly until I have almost took it out of my own happiness. God shows me it's that way. It's just exactly that way. And it's no other way. Said he wanted to look at the church. And I said, Well, help yourself. I'll be out of the ministry. I'm busy. And he was looking around. He went into the prayer room. And uh, after a while, I went out and he went back. Moved to our city for a while and they're attending our church now. He come up to me the other day. Serving the third night. Prayer, the first of the quarter. We went there Thursday night. He come up to me Thursday night. And he said, Brother I don't know whether it's me or what it is. But he said, Every time I step into this prayer room, I feel like I've stepped into the Holy Spirit. He didn't know it. But he was talking to me. You see... There is a place that you can get. And we want to hear it. In the time of the storm, we Tried to drown out the blasting wind. Tried to drown out the deepening roar of the thunder. We tried to put it out the butt. The force of the wind. And through it all, we try to listen. And we go almost ready. Looking for God and His will. Scripture teaches us there's going to be a shaking so that those things which cannot be shaken not the name but in the midst of that shaking you know some people judge God by what they see you're in a storm brother Smith that tells me that something's wrong with you God is like your comfort Joe what's the matter with you 
and burn until he found the cave in the mountain. Get over at the cave and tell himself there. What the and I said, what you doing here? I'm no better than the rest of them. And they tried to kill me and they killed all the prophets. And there's nobody upstairs. And I'm not any better than my father. Why don't you just let me die? Honey, don't censor him because we get in the same shape. We get twisted all out of shape when we're in the sight of the devil and things are not right and we begin looking for a way to hear from God. And God said, Elijah! Somebody, the Lord's going to do something tonight. We're going to have a special service tonight. They get all fixed and put on their glass legs and shine their shoes and comb their hair and over Elijah rubbed his eyes and walked to the front of that cave and honey when he walked up there and stood for a moment he heard a roar that's bound to be God that's bound to be God and honey it was a stormy wind blowing so strong the strongest wind I've ever been in was 135 miles an hour and it was a straight wind blowing against the house in a tropical hurricane. And I could hear the nails in that house. Did you hear me? This is the way that we look at things. But the Bible said that wind. And it was so powerful. When it did it down, it said it broke the rock. And if we would be caught in that, we would have to say that God is surely in this place. And Elijah watched it go by. Broke the rocks into pieces. What he stood there, that'll work. He just rolled and that ground under him. And the little hill of cross on his head of the city. And it was going this way. Earthquake. God is serving in the earth. He wasn't. And then finally, he looked in a ball of fire. And that fire came through there burning. That must be God. But when the fire left, a world of fire. Heard what the Bible calls 
that some of you that have been in this conference, that some of you that the rocks have blown the fifth around, that some of you that your world has fell around, you've looked for God, but are you looking in the wrong place? Move over into the world of silence, because when Elijah stood there, the Lord
thing that disturbs me so much. And hear me what I'm saying here. I look at our church. I look at our conventions. I look at the meetings that I go to. While God is speaking to men, while God is powerfully moving, there sits some. No matter what kind of a message they heard, they still haven't heard. Hear me, I'm talking about another world of silence. Oh wow, they were God's feet. You can't hear him because you're in a world of silence away from the voice of God cannot penetrate the place that you dwell. Church, I'm not here to ridicule. I want to talk to you though. How is it that the power of God can be so strong, but in 15 minutes we can drown it with a Coke and a hamburger, and we don't think anymore about it. Did you really hear the voice of God, or did you see the rock break? Oh, I'm talking about a world of silence that God can speak to men, and they can hear, but the man sitting next to you never hear the word that God has Why is it? Oh, well. Brother Smith, you needed it. Brother McFarland didn't need it. Honey, I felt that power so strong when it made me want to crawl under the altar. Then I've listened to men ridicule the message of the street. I've heard men just flag it in the street. I've heard men walk out of a conference and walk out of a camp meeting and ridicule the man that stood there and tried to deliver his heart. Oh, that God would help us to come out of a silent world where God cannot penetrate. You can go through the mountains, my friend. You can dwell in church. You can play the part, but never hear from God. Well, I don't believe that, you don't. I've often wanted. Oh, Dad used to be one of the greatest Bible teachers I ever heard. Charged on the tabernacle, and he would teach that chart and make me so hungry. I'd, I'd always sit there just as a kid and just and looking at it, just looking at it. No wonder Salem said how beautiful are the pictures. He had it all drawn out, sister. Young's father drew it all for my dad, and I, those charts still lie in a different place. And daddy's old now, and he can't use them anymore. And somebody said, Why don't you get them and teach off of them, Brother Foss? Because as long as he lives, I feel like that's a little bit of sacred ground. Oh, but it's me, not you. I looked at it, and saw the phrase in that. On the brazen altar. I walked into the 
sanctuary. There was a temple. There was altar of incense. There was the light of the golden candlestick. I can remember him today, how that he illustrated ministry in the light of the golden candlestick. Oh, what a wonder it would be to go into a place like that. There is a possibility, my friend, that you can come by the altar. You can come by the way of the brazen lather. You can eat at the table of the shoe bread. You can walk over to the altar of incense. You can walk into where the candlesticks are and still not hear the voice of God. We've got people that enjoy everything that can be had in the Pentecostal church. But it's been months and months since they really felt and heard the voice of God speak to their hearts and their souls. All the time the shepherds pray, motivate them, motivate them, motivate them. Let me have something to motivate them. Honey, you need to be praying. God, break the world of silence. They're in a world where they cannot hear. And somehow, let hear you. I don't believe that, brother. Yeah, you do. Long here. I want to know what Can I say this? Just let me say it. Do not feel bad. Problems that exist today in most areas are not coming from young converts. It's coming to people. No bad. Don't let you're my elder. You're my high ranking officer. I'm not a But we get to the place that we feel like that we And that we are to put forth the will of God for everybody else. Sir, you need to hear what the Lord is Honey, that 
that is male. All the men, they belong to me. They are mine. They are mine. They are mine. They are the firstborn. They are chosen. They are the elite. They are the elect of God. They belong to me. They're mine. They're mine. They're mine. God said you can't have Oh, let me tell you something. Even if they had an axe, friend, they had to redeem it. If they did not redeem it, they had to break it down. Because God said it's mine. Right. Hallelujah. God said it's mine. Friend, I'll tell you why this church is peculiar. I'll tell you why this church is special. Because it belongs to God. believe it belongs to God, I'll tell you something. The Apostle Paul said you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold, but you were bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and you are not your own. It belongs to me. It belongs to me. It's mine. Now listen, you'll discover that God allowed the firstborn, and later on God said you can redeem you don't have to kill him. You can redeem him. But friend, listen. Uh, as time went on, as time went on, at the events uh, of the developing of Israel began to change. The scene changed just a little bit. All this time, all this time, it's got to be different because it belongs to me. Things changed after a while. The day came, and you can find it in the eighth chapter of the book of Numbers. One day God told Moses to bring all of the children of Israel out into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And you bring all of the sons of Levi and set them apart, separate them at the door of the congregation of Israel. Now listen to what he did. He had all of the young men, all of the young men come out and they would lay their hands upon the heads of the sons of Levi. And then the sons of Levi would lay their hands upon the sacrifice. And Aaron offered sacrifices unto the Lord. And all of a sudden something changed. God changed the whole picture. He changed the whole scene because the Levites became the separated people. And God took them out and he said, now I want you to separate the you see what he's doing? There is a sudden transition. There's a sudden change. It's no longer the firstborn sons that we've got to separate. God said they're mine anyhow. Hallelujah. But this time, we're going to do something a little different. And he sanctified and he set apart the sons of Levi. And something happened along with this. I'll tell you what it was. We can read it in the 15th. And Praise the Lord. After that, now the Levites, now the Levites, he has go to the service, to the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. You see, up to this time, God didn't have a tabernacle. Up until this time, God did not have a church. Praise the Lord. He had leaders, the sons of Aaron, the sons of all the sons. They were the spiritual fathers, the spiritual leaders. But you see, God wasn't happy with that. God said, I want to have a nation where I can dwell with them. 
I want to feel it where I can be in their presence. Oh, hallelujah. And God gave Moses the plan for a tabernacle. And when Moses built that tabernacle, God said, I'm going to have somebody that is set apart from all of Israel. And they are going to do the service of the tabernacle. They are going to take the place of the firstborn. And they're going to become... They are holy. Now listen to this. Set them apart. They are holy. They're going to do the service of the tabernacle. And God said, they are holy unto me. That's what he said in the first one. They are holy unto me. They're mine. They're mine. They're mine. Come on, say it with me. They're mine. Say it again. They're mine. They belong to me. That's what God said. All right, read. Instead of. Now, instead of. Okay. Uh-huh. Everyone that opens the womb, everyone that opens the womb, even of the firstborn, of the firstborn of the children of Israel, of the children of have I taken them unto me? Have I taken them unto me? But you see, God said, now we're going to change the things just a little bit. I have a church. Now I have a building. I have a tabernacle. And now we're going to change it a little bit. You separate the sons of Levi. And now we're going to change it. Now the eldest son lost his place of being the priest of the family. God brought about a transition. And thereby he made the sons of Levi to minister in his tabernacle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you are with me so far? Dear God. Hallelujah. I, I don't want you to leave me right now. Dear God, we've got a long way to go. And somewhere tonight, by the grace of God, we're going to bring it all together and point you tonight to the greatest church that has ever been in the world, that ever will be in the world, the called out body of Jesus' name. Believers, they are the set apart for God tonight. Of the bride. 
you look at the divine plan of God, praise the Lord, in His creation, you can go back to the creation and you can discover some interesting things. The Bible tells us that God said, let us make man after our own life and in our image. In our image and after our life, praise the Lord. But when this scripture comes down to uh, to describing uh, the creation, uh, he just simply said that God created him in his likeness and said nothing about the image of God. When God got down to making him, he only made him in his likeness. Didn't say a thing about his likeness and in his image. Praise the Lord. God created him. Now listen, when you create something, when you create something, you create it according to a plan, up to a design. No man sets out to make anything without first he has a design. Praise the Lord. He has a master plan. And once he has the plan, once he has the design, then he sets about to make the object according to his design or to his plan. Oh, hallelujah. Now, listen, God intends, I believe, that it is the intent of God in the full scope of his creation and of his making of man in his likeness and in his image. It is the intent of God that man will be made in the likeness and in the image of God. I believe God does intend for man to be made just exactly like he is. Oh, hallelujah. Eternal shall live forever. Praise God. You may not believe it, but friend, I'll tell you something. The church that I'm a part of is going to live forever. It's not going to die. It's not going to go under. It's not going to sink in the pits of despair and hopelessness. But the church that I am a part of, brother, it's going to rise. Don't make the Lord in the air. That was the master design. God created it. God designed it. God intends for you and I to be like Him in the sense that we do not do wrong and that we will live forever. But you see, when God brought Adam on the scene and uh, God made him, evidently God did not make him after his image and his likeness because Adam had the ability to sin. He had the ability to die. And friend, listen, that is not the master design and the master plan of God. He created this body. He created it and tasted it in the plan and the program of God that it shall live forever and never die. So it's evident that we are not there yet. Hallelujah. I said it's evident that we are not there yet. Praise God. But you stay with us just a little bit. We're going to get there before it's over with. Hallelujah to God. Adam comes along. He begins to produce sons. And the Bible tells us that the sons that Adam produced were just exactly like him. They were in his likeness and they were in his image. That simply means that the sons of Adam had the ability to sin and they did. They had the ability to die and they did. But listen, in the plan of God it was not so. In the eternal scope of God's program it will not be so but there will be a day when God will redeem us back to Christ by the power of his blood and we're going to live forever we're going to live forever we're going to live forever oh hallelujah oh hallelujah let's worship the Lord right now oh God in heaven 
Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. When Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Hallelujah. You know what he was telling him? He was saying, Nicodemus, this time, you've got to be born in the image and the likeness of God. The second time, you've got to be born in the image and in the likeness of God Almighty. And the Apostle Paul said that as we are born the image of the earthly, so also shall we bear an image of the heavenly. Oh, hallelujah. That's why Paul said, Beloved, now we do this not appear what we shall be but we know that when we shall see him we shall be like 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 him for we shall see him as he is oh hallelujah hallelujah that's why the writer of old said, Oh, of the days of my life, I'm going to wait for one thing, and that's for my change. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to be like him. 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 I'm going to live. I'm going to live and never die. Praise the Lord. you got to remember some things. That death reigned from Adam until Moses. That's what the Bible said. Death reigned from Adam until Moses. Even though the law was not in the world. The law was not in the world. But you see, when the law came, something happened. Sin revived. Sin revived because the law said, Thou shalt not. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. That was the very same thing God said to Adam. Of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat. And praise the Lord. Friend, listen. From the days of Adam until Moses, death reigned. Even though there was no law. But you see, when the law came, and the law said, thou shalt not, something happened. Sin became knowledgeable. Praise the Lord. It became knowledgeable. But you see, in reality, it was there all the time. It never died. It never passed away. It was there all the time. And death reigned. It reigned. It had power. It had power. It had power. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The law, the law made sin come from the and appear to be sin. That's exactly what it did. It made it come out of its party place and made it appear to be sin. Praise the Lord. And then the, the Bible said that the law then became a schoolmaster to bring us where? To bring us where? Come on, wake up and join me. To bring us where? The law became a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Why did it do that? I'll tell you why. Because it was in the design and in the plan of God that man should be like him 
and made in His image and made in His likeness. Oh, hallelujah. From the foundation of the world. That's why the Bible said that Jesus Christ was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He didn't die at the very beginning. Righteousness sake to everyone, to everyone, to everyone, to everyone that believes. Hallelujah. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is simply saying, if you believe me, I am the end of the law for righteousness sake. If you believe me, I am the end of the law for righteousness sake. Praise the Lord. But you see what the, what the law couldn't give you and what the law couldn't do for you. Jesus said, with my blood, I'll do it for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, the law, the law is of debt. Praise God. But grace, oh, hallelujah, grace. Jesus said, I'm not coming with the law. I'm coming as a grace. And grace will give you what the law has given to you. Grace will do for you what the law could never do for you. The only thing that the law could do was make sin appear to be sin in your life. But friend, Jesus said, I've got something to give with you. My peace I live. Leave my peace I give. Not as the world giveth. Not as the world giveth. The law is a debt. But the Bible tells us that the law came by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. It came by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And that's why Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. Hallelujah. I am what? That I am the end of all for righteousness to every one of you that believe. And except you believe that, you will die in your sins. Hallelujah. Isn't that what He said? Oh, hallelujah. And that's why Jesus said that which is born of flesh in His flesh is come. Hallelujah. It's not in the, in the likeness of God in the image of God. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now I'm using this as a type. I realize that. Praise the Lord. The firstborn. They were delivered by the blood of the Lamb. Nothing, nothing could bring a curse upon them except something they didn't do. Hallelujah. They were redeemed by the blood of the Lord. The Lord said when the death angel passes through, if I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And there was nothing. There was nothing. There was nothing that could bring a curse upon them or could change what God said unless they failed to do what the Lord told them to do. Nothing could bring a curse. They were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Nothing could change that. Nothing could alter that. Praise the Lord. Why? Because of the Lamb that was slain. Praise God. The Lamb gave His life and the blood 
and the blood caused the death angel to pass over them. Praise the Lord. Later God said, let them be redeemed with silver. And then he transferred. He transferred the firstborn right over to the sons of Levi. And he said, now you are my firstborn. You are my firstborn. You are my firstborn. And the Levites became the priests. Not only that, but it was their responsibility to work in the sanctuary. The high priest went in, uh, went into the Holy of Holies. And the priest worked in the sanctuary or the holy place, if you please. Now, I want you to remember something. That there was no man who was allowed to go into that holy place unless the high priest first went in and came out again. Hallelujah. And then after he comes out... The priests are allowed to go in and do the ministry into the sanctuary. Now look at this as this. We talk about the Holy of Holies. And you've all heard this before. And we typify it as being a, a significant of heaven. We look at the holy place or the sanctuary, if you please. And we say this is a type of the Holy Ghost. Or the kingdom of God, which is in you. Praise the Lord. Now listen, when Mary came to the tomb looking for Jesus, and suddenly the Lord appeared there and revealed himself to Mary. The first thing she wanted to do was throw her arms around him and embrace him. But Jesus said something. He said, wait a minute, woman. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. That's a strange thing for Jesus to say. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. And he clarified it. For he said, for I have not yet ascended to my God and your God. Oh, but friend, just a little bit later, you discovered that Jesus came back again. He went away and it came back. And then it was. He said, come on, Thomas. Put your hand in my side. I want you to feel me. I want you to feel me. And when he did that, he ascended into the holy place. And it came out making way for you and I to enter into the holy of holies. you know what you're seeing here? You're seeing another transition. God said, now I'm going to turn away from the Levites and I'm going to turn to a church that will be a glorious church, that will be a holy church, that will be a set-apart church, that will be peculiar unto me. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Do you know what this writer is saying? This writer is telling you, brother, that this is that exalted church. This is a glorious church. It is a church without spot. It is a church without wrinkle. It is a church without blemish. It is written in heaven. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. How many of you are part of that church tonight? Brother, let me tell you something. I don't care what they say. It didn't start in 1917. Hallelujah to God. It didn't start in 1914. It didn't start in 1829. But the church that I'm talking about, that grand, that glorious, that exalted church, it began way back in eternity when God laid the foundation of the world. He started it in his mind then. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something, folks. You're the part of something that is the greatest spectacle that God has ever given to the world. 
if we believe that tonight that we are a part of the greatest spectacle that God ever gave to the world, there ought to be something excites your very soul. To think that I'm a part of it. Somebody wrote the song, I'm a part of the family of God. Hallelujah. His royal blood now flows through my name. Praise the Lord. Brother, there was a time when I was born of the flesh that I came to Thank God it's there. Jesus Christ gave me a blood transfusion. He took this old filthy blood out of my veins. He put something else inside of me. He made me a royal priesthood. He made me a chosen generation. He made me a peculiar person. He set me out. He set me apart. He called me out of the world. And he said, don't be like the world because you've got something to minister unto the world. Don't be like the world because you've got something to give the world. Don't be like the world because you have something you've got to show the world. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you know that the writer went on later on in the same Hebrews and said that we have an altar whereof they that serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. They have no right to eat. They have no right. Don't they have a right? Because they have never been set apart by the blood of the Lamb. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Have you been set apart by the blood of the Lamb? Come on. Have you been set apart by the blood of the Lamb? Wave your hand. Come on. Wave your hand. Do you really mean what you say tonight? I have been set apart by the blood of the Lamb. You're saying you're